Welcome to Lessons for Living Television. My name is Bill Santos. Well, thank you so much for watching. In recent years, Christian booksellers have inundated the evangelical world with testimonies from people who say they have visited heaven in near-death experiences. Now, their stories are full of specific details about what heaven is like and, and who's there and what is happening in this celestial realm. But when we compare some of their claims with Scripture, it becomes clear that they are merely figments of a human imagination, not true visions of heaven as it is described in God's Word. Maybe the best known of all of these heaven tales is Heaven is for Real. It was turned into a major motion picture. It's the story of Colton Burpo. His parents believe that he visited heaven when he was just four during surgery after a burst appendix nearly took his life. In 2004, Alex Malarkey lay in a coma for two months after a car accident. When Alex awoke, he amazed doctors and his parents with the story of how an angel had lifted him to heaven where he met Jesus and Satan. His story was made into the best-selling book, The Boy Who Came Back from Heaven. And it was co-authored by his father, Kevin, and it was published for the first time in 2010. But now Alex has claimed it was all a lie. In an open letter, Alex wrote, I did not die. I did not go to heaven. I said I went to heaven because I thought it would get me attention. When I made the claims that I did, I had never read the Bible. And the letter continues, It's only through repentance of your sins and a belief in Jesus as the Son of God, who died for your sins, even though he committed none of his own, so that you can be forgiven, may you learn of heaven outside of what is written in the Bible. It's not by reading the work of man. Malarkey said he wrote the book because he thought it would get him attention. And it became a bestseller. I want the whole world to know that the Bible is sufficient, he said. Those who market these materials must be called, he says, to repent and have to hold that the Bible is enough. And the Bible says that Lazarus of Bethany fell ill and died. And as his body lay decaying in a tomb for four days, Jesus came and raised him. The whole chapter of John 11 is devoted to the story of how Jesus brought Lazarus back from the dead. Now, in that story, there's not a hint or a whisper, in fact, nowhere in Scripture, about Lazarus visiting heaven in that four-day period. Well, the same thing is true of every person in Scripture who was ever brought back from the dead, beginning with the, the widow's son whom Elijah raised there in 1 Kings 17, and, and culminating with Eutychus, who fell asleep sitting on a windowsill and fell to his death. Paul raised him from the dead. In Acts 20, that's what happened. It was in Acts 20, but not one biblical person ever gives any recorded account of his or her, her post-mortem experience in heaven. So what is heaven? Does it even exist? And if so, where is it and what's it like there? 
I know some people don't believe in heaven. Some people say you go to heaven when you die. Others say no, you go to a place called purgatory first, and then maybe you can go to heaven later. Some say heaven is not a real place, but it's just a state of mind. There are those who believe that eventually everybody will end up in heaven. Others say, well, very few people will make it there. So much confusion, so many opinions. Why, are, why do all of these different opinions exist about heaven? Well, let me make a suggestion. Let's go to the Bible. In fact, do you know that the Bible is full of details about heaven? You see, God wants his children to know what heaven is like, so we're going to desire to be there. Heaven is not a secret place that God is keeping from us, but you got to go to the right source. You don't have to be confused about the truth about heaven is. Well, the Apostle Peter, he gives us some information about heaven in 2 Peter. So we have the prophetic word made more sure, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. You see, it may surprise you, but God has revealed in His Word where heaven will be, what heaven will be like, where its capital will be, what people will do there, what type of people will be there, where the saved will live, what that capital will look like. While on the island of Patmos, one of Jesus' disciples, John, late in his life, he's exiled on this small, rocky island, six miles long, three miles wide, located there in the Aegean Sea. While there, God gave him a preview of the future in a vision. And afterwards, John writes down what he was shown. Revelation chapter 21, beginning at verse 1, says, And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. Now, few scenes present such happiness and beauty as that of a bride preparing for her wedding day. Now, I've been to my share of weddings, and you know something I've never seen? I've never seen an ugly bride. Now, I've seen grooms that might need an adjustment or two, but I've never seen an ugly bride. You see, this city that John wrote about, it's not something that only John saw and only John knew about, but all of God's prophets throughout the ages have known about it. And God tells us that all of his holy prophets have spoken about this plan of restoration. Acts chapter 3, beginning at verse 20. And that he may send Jesus the Christ appointed for you, whom heaven must receive until the period of restoration of all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, from ancient time. Here's the question, but what is God going to restore? Well, God is going to restore everything Adam and Eve lost. 
You see, the earth came from the hands of the creator in splendor and perfection, beautiful beyond description. But Adam and Eve, they chose to eat of the tree. They listened to a cruel, deceiving, rebel agent named Satan rather than listening to a loving, caring God. Afterward, for the first time in their lives, they felt guilty. They felt ashamed and afraid. It was the most tragic day in the history of planet Earth. By their disobedience, they lost everything. They lost their garden home, their dominion of the earth, access to the tree of life. You see, without being able to eat from the tree of life, well, they would eventually die. No longer masters, Adam and Eve became slaves. Paul wrote in Romans uh, chapter 6 and verse 16, do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you, you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness? A loving, caring God understood. The serpent had deceived Eve and Adam well, he couldn't bear to be parted from her forever. God loved them so much that he could not leave his erring children without hope. At the gates of the garden, God promised Adam and Eve that one day his son, the seed of the woman, would come and die for them so that they too could be restored to the family of God and have eternal life. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, look at what it says. It says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. As generations passed, and men multiplied on the earth, well, sin also multiplied. Mankind had almost forgotten God and His promise. The people had become vile, they had become immoral. It says, Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of his thoughts and of his heart was only evil continually. That's Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. Finally, it became necessary for God to destroy the wicked by the great flood in order to preserve life on earth. Only eight people survived. After the great flood, it wasn't many generations before people became corrupt again. And in order to preserve a holy people on earth, God called Abraham and his family out of this idolatrous and corrupt region of Ur. His family would doubtless have become wicked also had they remained in that city. The Lord says to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go forth from your country, from whom your relatives and from your father's house, to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. You see, Abraham was willing to leave the luxury of his Chaldean home, not knowing exactly where he was going, because he had a glimpse of what God had in store for him. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning at verse 9. 
It says, by faith he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for the city which has foundations and whose architect and builder is God. You see, God promised to give to Abraham and his children all that Adam and Eve lost. Now, God lists some of the Bible's hall of faith there in Hebrews chapter 11. You know, Abraham, Enoch, Noah, uh, Abel, Isaac, Rahab, David, and Samuel. That's just, just a few of the great people of faith who believed in God's promise that he would restore everything Adam and Eve lost. Now, notice what the Bible says about these heroes there in Hebrews 11, beginning at verse 13. All these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth, for those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had an opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Isaiah, the greatest of all the Messianic prophets, gives us a thrilling description in the Old Testament of the restoration that God has prepared. And in the New Testament, John in Revelation, he gives many thrilling prophecies concerning the restoration of all things. Now let's take a look at the things revealed to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 65. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things will not be remembered or come to mind. Violence will not be heard again in your land, nor devastation or destruction within your borders, but you will call your walls salvation and your gates praise. I mean, just think, no violence there, just peace and harmony. No need there to find weapons to defend and protect ourselves. Now, listen to what else the Bible has to say about planet Earth when it's finally restored to its original beauty. Isaiah chapter 33, verse 24. There we read, And no resident will say, I am sick. The people who dwell there will be forgiven their iniquity. You know what that means? That means no heart attacks, no cancer, no allergies, and just perfect health for eternity. Isaiah 65, verses 21 and 22, it says, They will build houses and inhabit them. They will also plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They will not build and another inhabit. They will not plant and another eat. For as the lifetime of a tree, so will be the days of my people, and my chosen ones will wear out the work of their hands. I mean, it certainly sounds as if heaven is a real place with, with real people, I mean, doing real things, doesn't it? In fact, we will have our own names and, and, and people will know us. Isaiah 66, verse 22. 
For as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make, shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your descendants and your name remain. Now, let's just consider in a little bit more detail this magnificent city John saw in the vision there in the island of Patmos. It seems as if the prophet has a hard time finding the words to express the grandeur of this holy city. You might be thinking about the text in the Bible that says, uh, 1 Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9, it says, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But you just have to hang on a second because most people, they don't read the next verse that says, verse 10, but God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. You see, God has revealed these things by the Holy Spirit to the prophets who then wrote them down for us. And when John unfolds the details of the holy city, it almost seems too fabulous to be true. John said he saw a new heaven and a new earth, and there was no more sea. Then, then he saw the holy city descending out of heaven. He tells us all about this city. In Revelation chapter 21, verse 11. Having the glory of God, her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Verse 21. The twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. Uh, chapter 22, the first five verses says... And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb, and in the middle of its street, and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations, and there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face." and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no more night there. They need no lamp, nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Perhaps you're wondering, well, how big is this holy city? Well, you know what? John gives us exact details as to the size of the city, and Chapter 21 of Revelation, verse uh, 16, he says, The city is laid out as its square. Its length is as great as its breadth. And he measured the city with the reed 12,000 furlongs. Its length, breadth, and height are equal. Now, furlong is one-eighth of an English mile. So 12,000 furlongs, you do the math, would be about 2,400 kilometers around. Now, see, ancient cities were measured by the distance around the outside walls. So the city would be approximately, you know, 375 miles on each side. And so you're wondering, well, is this city going to be large enough for the saved? Well, uh, in comparison, Tokyo has nearly 35 million people living in that city. Greater New York houses, what, just over 20 million, Seoul and uh, Mexico City. 
they have, what, nearly 20 million people each? One mathematician estimated that given these dimensions, New Jerusalem could house 2 billion people. So in other words, there's room for everyone. I mean, everyone who wants to be there, well, they can be there. There's room. Well, you may be asking, well, how can we be certain that we can be there? The answer is simple, yet some people try to make it very complex. The Bible simply says in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 29, it says this, And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed, and you are an heir according to the promise. In other words, if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you are Abraham's seed, and you are an heir to the same promise that God made to Abraham. I mean, as we study the Bible, it's interesting to notice that the first three chapters of the Bible tell us how God created the world, the paradise home for Adam and Eve, and how Adam and Eve lost it. Now, the last three chapters of the Bible give us a preview of God's plan to restore what Adam and Eve lost, this, this, this beautiful home, a beautiful tomorrow where our fondest dreams will come true. Are you homesick for that beautiful tomorrow? Are you homesick for heaven? Don't you want to be there? Because God gives us the invitation to all of us. Revelation chapter 22, verse 17 says, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. Let me tell you something. Don't put it off. You can be part of God's fabulous tomorrow. Invite Him into your heart. And if you do that, heaven will be your home for all eternity. Let us pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the promise that one day you will restore everything to what it would have been had sin never entered the world. Father, we want to live eternally with you, and I pray that if there's anyone within the reach of my voice that has not accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, may they do so now. May they accept the invitation to come and spend an eternity with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we've come to the part of the program where we want to offer you a resource that can help you as you study the topic today, in this case, the topic of heaven. Well, we have this wonderful little book here uh, called uh, God Has a Home for You. It's, it's only a small book, but it's, 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 uh, it's wonderful. It's got a lot of wonderful information here, and I think it can go a long way in helping us better understand that which God has in store for those who invite him into, his, into their hearts. Uh, I hope you accept our offer of this book. It it's, comes to you free of charge. There's no obligation. We, uh, we cover the postage. All we ask is that you read it, and maybe once you've done reading it, maybe you pass it on to a friend or a family member. Well, if you'd like to get this little book, here's the information you need. To receive today's free offer, you can log on to the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. 
That's the Lessons for Living television website, www.alforaltv.com. You can also write us at Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlon Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. And we would be happy to send the offer out to you. That's Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlon Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. If you live in Canada, this offer will be sent out to you free and postage paid. For viewers living outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you wish, you could order this offer by calling our 1-800 number and speaking with one of our volunteers at 1-800-972-0337. 1-800-972-0337. Operators are standing by now. While on our website, you can leave a prayer request and if impressed to do so, donate to help keep this ministry on the air. Thank you for your support. Well, we've come to the end of another Lessons for Living television program. Uh, first of all, let me thank you so much for, for joining us and for tuning in every week. And thank you for the calls and the emails and the words of encouragement. We really, really appreciate that. Um, a couple of things I want to remind you of before we, we let you go. Uh, our website, l4ltv.com. You can go on the website. All of the previous programs are on there. It's a great way of sharing the programs with, you know, with your friends. Um, you can um, find a, a church you may want to become a part of, you want to join to get in some Bible study. Uh, some of them are listed there in Ontario and Alberta. If you live outside of that area or you'd just like to get a recommendation, then write to me, bill at l4ltv.com and I'll, I'll help you find a church that's going to minister to you and nurture you and love you. Uh, if you're in the Toronto area, come out and see my church. Uh, the Harmony Adventist Church, 89 Center Avenue. That's Center Avenue, not Center Street. That's sort of Willowdale Avenue, south of Steeles. Uh, we rent a spot in the Wellspring Worship Center. We're there every Saturday, 10 o'clock for Bible study. We're then at 1130 on Saturdays for our worship service. We're not a huge congregation, but we'll love you and we'll minister with you and we'll work with you. And so, you know, check us out. On the website, uh, the L4LTV.com website, there's also a Donate Today tab. And if you feel so impressed to donate to this ministry, I want you to know that all of the monies committed to L4LTV go to paying for airtime, paying for studio time, paying for the gifts that we, we give out. Not a penny of it comes to me in terms of salary. So every dollar you commit goes directly back into ministry. And so I, I wanted you to know that. One other website I want you to take note of. It's the www.missionnowcanada, all one word, .com website. Well, what's Mission Now Canada? Well, Mission Now Canada is the branch of our ministry that is involved with overseas mission work. And maybe you're watching and you've, you've never been on a mission project overseas. I'll tell you, it can be a life-changing experience. If you go on that website, you're going to find out where we're going to have our next mission project. We generally have at least one every year. And you, you can sign up to be a part of the team or at least to get more information on that project. Or you can donate to the project to help us buy medical supplies. We always provide free dental care, free medical care. We've worked with the indigenous people in many regions. 
And so visit both of those websites, get some more information. If you feel so impressed to donate, we'll tell you, we would appreciate that. Remember the YouTube channel and like us on Facebook at our Lessons for Living Television Facebook page. Well, I truly appreciate you being with us here each and every week. We hope to be able to do this again real soon with you. God bless you. We'll see you back here again next time.